Didn't we have a powerful Sunday last Sunday? Dr. Shirley brought the word, hit a home run, and uh, laid hands on everything that moved, anointed everybody with oil. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Shirley, for pouring out. Amen. So grateful to have her and Pastor Arnold in this house. They're a blessing to us. Her dad passed away on Monday, and the funeral is Saturday. Would you just reach your hand towards her right now, and let's just pray for her and the family. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for Dr. Shirley and Pastor Arnold for their family. We thank you for her dad that has served you over 90 years, or been in the earth over 90 years, and served you for many years. And I pray, Lord, that you would just bless all the family. We thank you, Lord, that he's in your hands. We thank you that he has crossed the finish line. And, Lord, it's always a bittersweet occasion. So we just pray for your peace, for your strength, for her, her sisters, her mom, her family, extended family. Let peace prevail in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Wow. Do you realize that we are about to end the third quarter and about to cross into the fourth quarter for 2022? This year has gone by fast. And <clears throat> I want to take a moment and just talk about where we are in the earth. Sometimes we need something to hold on to in the earth. We need something to steady us, to stable us. We need to grip something. How many have a good grip? Let me see your hands if you think you have a good grip. Male or female, when you shake somebody's hand, you've got a good grip. I've taught our kids, I've taught many young men, when you shake hands with somebody, grip them by the hand. Look them in the eye. Don't need any weak mamby-pamby fish handshake. Get a grip. And of course, when you hold on to something, you, you better have a good grip. Look at your neighbor and say, don't lose your grip. Having a good grip is important on some occasions. If you are rock climbing, you better have a good grip. Whether you're going up or coming down. If you don't have a good grip, it could be the death of you. You better have a good grip. On Wednesdays, Rotary Club meets here in Metro Tab and has lunch in here on every Wednesday. Two weeks ago, we had a guest speaker that is a rock climber. And he loves to find caves to climb down into did you know that Tennessee has more caves than any other state in the United States 
Could you guess how many caves there are in Tennessee? Just call them out. Nine thousand. Over nine thousand caves in Tennessee. And if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, the deepest one in the United States is in Tennessee. And he showed us some pictures and brought some ropes and told some stories about climbing up and going down. And you know, when you go down into a cave, <laughs> you've got to climb up to get out. And what it, while it may be easy to go down, it's more difficult to pull your body weight back up. So if you go four or five hundred feet down, and he did on several occasions, you've got to go four or five hundred feet back up. <clears throat> so it's important that you have a good grip. And, you know, we get a grip because we have five, we, we have four fingers and a thumb. They're all digits. The thumb is the opposing digit. And you can connect all the other fingers or connect all your other fingers with your thumb. And by wrapping that hand around, you get a grip. It's important to have a good grip for many things in life. So let me just give you a, a quick synopsis of, of where we are. First of all, I want everybody in this room to know, and those watching online, that God has a plan and a purpose for you. You're not here by accident. You're not just hopefully floating through life, but God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you in the earth. Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, thoughts of a future and thoughts of a hope. So God has a plan and a purpose for you. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So he's got a plan for you. Some of you may not know yet what the plan is. You may still be saying, God, I know you have a purpose for me. What is it? If you ask, he'll tell you. He'll speak clearly to you. But I need you to understand God has a plan for you, a destiny purpose for you, a devil conquering destiny for you. Also, this is the season of expansion. It's been prophesied several times in the last few months. We are in a season of expansion. It's time to expand, to explode, to enlarge. In 1 Chronicles 4.10, we read about Jabez where he prayed and said, Lord, expand my territory, increase my tent, expand my area, enlarge it. And the Lord did. Multiple times in the scripture, we read where God spoke to his servants and said, everywhere you place your feet, Wherever you put the soles of your feet, I will give you that land. I will give you that territory. I submit to you today that if we begin to do prayer walks around this city, and I've already done some, I've been up to the top of the highest mountains and prayed over this city, that wherever we put our feet, wherever we declare and decree, God will give us this city. I came to tell you it is time. This is the season for expansion for the kingdom of God and remnant 
warriors are part of that. It's time for us to get a grip, to hold on to our grip, to maintain our grip, and to expand our territory. That is the season that we are living in. It's not a season to shrink back. It's not, or to shirk back. It's not a season or time to, to get weak and weary and give up and be ready to throw in the towel. That is not the season we are living in. We are living in the season of expansion. So we must live circumspectly as warriors. As a matter of fact, there are expectations that God has for you and for me. Look at your neighbor and say, expectation. God wants to give us all the blessings that he has in the earth. He has blessings for us, multiple blessings for us, but he expects some things from us. In John, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I like that. I may start preaching this all the time. Keep my commandments, he said. God wants us to keep his commandments. Let me translate. You can't live any way that you want to live expecting to receive the blessings of God doing things and doing what is right in your own own eyes. The Bible says there is a way that seems right into a man, but the end are the ways of death. So quit trying to do things that you want to do in your own eyes, justifying and saying, well, I can do this. I can get by. No, no, no. We must live right. We are in a season, if we've ever needed to live righteous and holy, now is that time. We must live circumspectly. And preparation for this season has been and is imperative. You've heard me say several times in the last few months that I was born for this season. Even though I'm not a spring chicken anymore, I'm like Joshua and Caleb. Give me this mountain. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fight. Look at your neighbor and say, age is only a number anyway. 60 is the new 30, right? So preparing through the process is imperative. Did you know that when David fought Goliath, the preparation took place in the field with the sheep, practicing every day, fighting the bear, fighting the lion that was preparation time for when he faced Goliath so our preparation has been ongoing up until now all the storms that you have been through all the mountains you have gone over all the valleys you have walked through all the tough times all the difficult times all the seasons of struggling financially all the relationship battles you have gone through all the studying that you have done every season up until now has been preparation for what lies ahead for this season because he is positioning us Twofold, for his greatest season and for our greatest season. He's promised in the last days to pour out his spirit on all flesh. He's promised a last day revival. 
Guess what? That revival is breaking. That revival is now. We are crossing the threshold. There are pockets of revival now taking place all over the planet. Tens of thousands of people are being saved every day on planet Earth. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. And if you think now is the season to be lethargic and to just lay back and coast for a while, look at your neighbor and say, you're wrong. He is positioning us for the greatest season yet. And because of that, Satan knows. And his agenda is to trip you up. His agenda is to cause you to fall off balance, to get off balance. His agenda is to distract you, to bedazzle you, to get you headed in the wrong direction. He wants to... He wants you to lose your grip. And if you walk carelessly through this season, you will lose your grip. If you lose your grip, you'll live with a lack of power and unfulfilled promises. Maintaining your grip is essential. So we talk a lot here about being praisers. We just spent 30 minutes or so worshiping the Lord and praising the Lord, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts. The musicians are there ready right now to play. They've been playing. That'd be a good time for you to go. That's what I'm talking about. They are ready to lead us throughout the Bible we know that whenever there was a war, guess who went out front? The musicians and the singers were leading the way. Why? Because when we praise God, it confounds the enemy. God uses our worship. He uses our praise. He uses our thanksgiving very successfully against the enemy. So when we praise him, Something happens in the spirit realm. No matter where you are, no matter what you are going through at the moment, no matter what your trial is, no matter what your battle is, when you begin to praise God, something supernatural begins to happen. In Judges chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says, After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, Which tribe should go first to attack the Canaanites, of all the 12 tribes of Israel, which tribe should go? The Lord answered. They should have already known the answer. He had told them many times. But the Lord answered in verse 2 and said, Judah. Judah means what? Praise. The name for Judah was praise. You can interchange. You don't even have to say Judah. You can just say praise. So you could read that, which tribe should go first, which tribe should attack the Canaanites. And the Lord answered, praise, for I have given them 
Judah, the praisers. I have given them victory over the land. We could stop right there if you could get it in your spirit and understand that when you become a praiser, God gives you the praiser victory over the land, victory over the enemy, victory over the battle, victory over the storm. He said, I have given them praise, the victory. The men of praise said to their relatives from the tribe of Simeon, join with us to fight against the Canaanites. How many know what the word Simeon means? Don't everybody raise your hand at once. Well, if Judah means praise, it seems to reason that all the other tribes would have meaning as well, right? Simeon means to hear with obedience. The tribe of Simeon were warriors that listened. They paid attention to everything that they heard and they did so with obedience. It's one thing to hear, it's another thing to obey. A lot of people hear. They hear the command of God. They hear the word of God. They hear prophecies about the word of God. But to obey, the Bible says, is better than sacrifice. So a lot of people hear, but they don't obey. So verse 3, the men of Judah, the men of praise, said to their relatives from the tribe of those that hear and obey with obedience, join us, the praisers, to fight against the Canaanites. The word Canaanite means those that humble you and subdue you with power. So they are going to fight an enemy that's going to humble them. Anybody ever been humbled? They are going to fight an enemy that wants to humble them and subdue them. And so praise says to those soldiers and warriors that listen, that hear with obedience, come and fight. Join with us to fight against those that want to humble us and subdue us, living in the territory that's allotted to us. In other words, they're in our land, but God gave it to us. Join with us. How many know two are better than one? And a threefold cord is not easily broken. I wish we could get together. I wish we could unite. I wish we would come together in, the, in agreement because there is power in agreement, the Bible says. One puts a 1,000 to flight. Two put 10,000 to flight. I'm trying to teach you this morning because we are warriors. We are remnant warriors. Join us to fight against the Canaanites living in the territory allotted to us. Then we will help you conquer your territory. So the men who listened with obedience went with the praisers. And something is going to happen. When the people of praise begin to attack, the word of God is released and the enemy is defeated. You didn't hear me. When the people of praise, are there any praisers up in here? When the people of praise begin to attack, the word of God is released and the enemy, not shall be, we hope, maybe, the enemy is defeated. Judges 1. When the men of Judah attack, the Lord gave them victory over the Canaanites 
and the Perizzites, there's a lot of Ite brothers, these were the Ite brothers, and they killed 10,000 enemy warriors at the town of Bezek. Bezek means false light or flashing light or lightning flash. So when the men of praise, along with the warrior brothers that would hear with obedience, when they attacked the Canaanites and the Perizzites, they killed 10,000. Somebody said, that's a lot. They killed 10,000 warriors at the town of false light. If you dig into that, it also means place of pride, place of arrogance. They would flash the light because if you light something up, you see what it really is. If light just flashes, you're not sure because you're only seeing it for an instant. Bezik means false light, flashing light, lightning flash. And while at Bezik, they encountered the king there, Adonai, which means Lord, Bezik, false light or lightning flash, translated Lord of lightning. He'd like to think he was the Lord of lightning. And they fought against him, and they were all defeated. The Canaanites, the Perizzites, they were all defeated. But now, Adonai Bezik, he had been in battle before. He had been quite successful. See, the enemy wants you to live on scraps. Adonai Bezik escaped when they went to fight against him. They killed 10,000 soldiers, but he got away. The king got away. The Lord of Lightning got away. The arrogant, corrupt Lord of Lightning escaped. But the Israelites soon captured him, and they cut off his thumbs and his toes. And when you first read that, you think, why would they do that? Well, actually, it was an act of disobedience. Let me mess up your theology now. Because God had told them to destroy everything. Kill the people, destroy everything. And by letting people live, when they went in to fight, they were disobedient. And somebody evidently in the group thought, well, we need to cut off his thumbs and toes because in verse 7, Adonai Bezik said, I once had 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off, eating scraps from under my table. Now, don't miss this, now God has paid me back for what I did to them and they took him to Jerusalem and he died there they cut off his thumb when your thumb is cut off you can no longer grip anything you can't grip the rod and in that day the people were warriors 
so they always had a weapon they would have a weapon to fight and they would fight against their enemies but can you imagine trying to grip something without come help me uh tony can you imagine trying to grip something without your thumbs here you grip it without your thumbs no thumbs thumbs are gone now His thumbs are not on it. Well, hold on to it. <laughs> now, now grip it with your thumb. Now take the thumb away. <laughs> grip it, no thumbs. All of a sudden, you become powerless. You might deceive them for a while. You might can hold on to it for a while. But if you have no thumbs, you can't grip it. Come here, Darren. When he cut off their toes, your toes, your big toe, your great toe, they call it, is for your balance. It's for your speed. Right over there is another weapon <laughs> go ahead and put your hand in it like you're supposed to and grip it he asked me if he should bring the arrows I told him to bring them but don't load it <laughs> but, but how do you normally do that go ahead and pull it back you pull it back and you release it and the arrow takes care of the enemy right but move the thumb the thumb is gone now now hold it and like Tony you can hold it with fairly good strength until your enemy learns that you have no thumb go ahead and hold it pull it back <laughs> I broke his rod. I mean, broke his. It's all right. it just, I loosened it up. It's okay. But you can't, with, without your thumb, you become powerless. And you know what they did? He put them under his table, humiliating them to eat crumbs. Now, Try to pick up food off the floor without your thumb. Because we're used to grabbing something. We need the thumb, right? But without it, you've got to get innovative. And you might get by. But you become powerless as the enemy or powerless as the soldier, the warrior against the enemy another weapon was the sword how do you hold the sword 
without your grip, without a thumb. And we've not really even talked about the balance. When your toes are cut off, you can't balance, you can't run. So how would you like to command an army of soldiers with no thumbs and no great toes? Listen carefully. The enemy wants to remove your thumbs spiritually and remove your great toe. And you might deceive some folks. You might hold on pretty strong at some level. But you are not going to be the effective warrior that God intends for you to be without your thumbs and without your toes. And in case you didn't know, when we talk about the fivefold ministry, the thumb represents what? The apostle. The apostle covers. You have the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The fivefold ministry. Now, some folks would say the fivefold ministry does not exist in this day and age. Show me that in the Bible. We have apostles, 